So welcome everyone. It's great to have people with us here and I want to welcome everyone online as well. Uh, So glad to have you tuning in uh, wherever you are uh, as we go through this season. I want to make a quick announcement as we get started. um, Next Sunday on July 5th, we are reopening our campus on Sunday mornings. Yeah, so uh, that means uh, we want to invite you back uh, 9 and 10.45 a.m. We will be doing outdoor services, uh, at least for the first couple weeks. We live in San Diego. It never gets too hot, never gets too cold, so we can pull that off. Uh, one of the advantages for us of doing an outdoor service is our team has kind of mapped out some space in the plaza, and as long as we're able to, we actually have seven-foot squares set there with distancing, uh, seven-foot distancing. So because we're doing that, we can do that um, and be able to sing without masks on. It's outside and physically distanced. So we uh, want to invite you to be a part of that. Now, with that, I also want to say, if you are still uncomfortable with that, if you choose to stay home uh, for health reasons or concerns, fears, any of those things, Uh, Maybe you're caring for someone that you are concerned with. There's no judgment on you. No one's going to shame you into coming back. No one's going to say, well, why aren't they here? Uh, We want you to make the choice that's best for you. And uh, we respect that. We will continue to provide online content. And uh, we'll continue to provide as best quality as we can. Um, We know that this is a reality that we've been doing online for several years. We'll continue to do it. Um, But so we want you to know wherever you're comfortable, uh, we are okay with that. With that said, we do look forward to seeing you face-to-face one day. And uh, if you are comfortable, we'd love to have you come out. Uh, One of the things when we first started this, and we thought, okay, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe even two months we'll be apart. Uh, We're really looking at four months almost already. And four months is enough time to create new habits. And having casual Sunday mornings where you can wake up, grab a cup of coffee, participate in your church gathering while wearing your boxers is a new habit that many people have, and it's going to be a hard one to break. And so we know that it's convenient. We know that it's uh, easy, but we also very much value seeing each other face-to-face in the gathered church. So I do want to encourage you to come back uh, when, it, when you're comfortable with that. We would love to see you and celebrate starting next week on July 5th. So mark your calendars. Let's make it a great celebration. Uh, today, we are continuing with our series called Refresh. It's a summer through the Psalms. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 19. And as you find your way there, I'm going to pray for our time. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to be refreshed as we look into your word. I thank you that uh, we can trust that you are God, even in a world that seems sometimes to be out of control. Lord, we trust that you're in control. So we ask that in this space, wherever that might be, in this room, in the living rooms, wherever we are, Lord, that you would speak your truth to us. Lord, help us to receive from you today and be taught and encouraged by you. So we thank you and give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Psalm chapter 19, and uh, we're going to kind of just jump right into it. As I was preparing for this teaching, when I started off, I thought, oh, this is a really cool psalm. I I was enjoying it, studying through it, looking at the psalm. And the more I studied it, the more I kind of dove deeper and deeper into it, I started getting really excited and encouraged to be able to share this with you. So uh, I, I think there's some really exciting, encouraging things in here, and if you're like me, uh, 
I love the daily or the weekly dose at least of just getting back together and being reminded of truth because there's so many things competing for our attention. There's so many things competing for our allegiance and even so many different places saying, hey, this is truth. This is what you need to hear, what you need to listen to. It's good to be grounded in truth that is timeless. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So Psalm chapter 19, we're going to jump right in and read the first few verses. It says this. King David is writing and he writes, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. Day to night pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end. There's nothing hidden from its heat. So the first six verses here of this psalm starts off with the heavens are declaring the glory of God. They're telling about who God is and his splendor. And and David, as he writes, he actually starts talking about the sun and and the heat of the sun is placed there. And it said the sun goes on its circuit across the sky, which of course on science now we know the sun isn't moving, but that's how, this is a poetic book. It's not meant to be a scientific revelation here, but showing that, hey, Even the glories, the splendor of the sun and the stars all up in the galaxy is declaring the glory of God. This is a theological term that we call general revelation. General revelation means, in general, things that you can see from nature or or deduce with your reasoning. This is sometimes God reveals himself through nature, which would be a general revelation. Uh, Paul speaks of that in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 19. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them or plain to us, because God has shown it from his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So Paul is speaking in Romans chapter one about this idea of the heavens declaring the glory of God, this general revelation that as we look at nature itself and look look around that it reveals something about the splendor and the power of God. Sometimes I think of that in, in, is just in creation. If you like to surf, any of us who, you go out and you paddle, we understand when you feel the power in the waves of the ocean, you get a glimpse into the power of God. You realize, well, I'm really small. And, and these, this ocean is just this mighty, powerful thing. It, it gives a hint of a powerful force that exists, and, and it's a, a hint to the glory of God. For me, I love to ski. I talk about it often. There's almost nothing better than being on top of a peak on a mountain and looking over at snow-capped peaks to say, this is a beautiful creation, and I am small. I remember a few years ago when my wife and I climbed, we hiked to the top of Mount Whitney, which is the highest place in the lower 48 states, and we're up there, and you can see forever, and you realize, I mean, people are really kind of small things compared to creation. And that's what the writer here with David saying is all creation, what we see tells us something of the nature of the creator. So the first thing we see here is creation declares the glory of God and the earth rejoices. There's something in our hearts that come alive when we encounter, when we're reminded of God's power, splendor, and majesty. 
And it might be in the beauty of creation. It might even be just in the ability to love and to receive love. There's something very unique about that and something just so life-giving that you realize there's some, there's just, this is a deeper emotion that ties us to, wow, isn't it amazing that the creator creates us in a way that we can receive and give love? I sometimes think of it even in the joy of laughter. It reminds me of the creator. Think of, I think one of the, the most heartwarming and hilarious things on earth is the belly laugh of a baby. Anyone tracking with me on that? You, you hear the belly laugh of you have like a six month old to like a year and a half, two years old. It's the greatest sound on earth. And it, they sometimes laugh, what they laugh at, you look at it like that's not even funny, but uh, which is even better. But this belly laugh of a baby, I think the joy of laughter often reminds me of the creator and even that we're created with the ability to laugh and to enjoy and just to have pure just bliss sometimes. These are all things that point to the, the glory of our creator. I was thinking about this and doing some research this week. I'm going to give you a little science lesson. Now, I think this is stuff that they teach in high school science. I say I think because I didn't listen very well in high school, so I'm pretty sure this is taught. But when we think about how big our universe is, you know, a light year is measured. It's a, the array of lights travels at the speed of, well, speed of light, <laughs> so how fast light travels. And that's 186,000 miles per second. That means a ray of light can go around the earth seven times every second. That translates to 670 million miles per hour. In one year, a light year is 5.88 trillion miles. So if you think of that, a light year is 5.88 trillion miles. That's pretty significant, is it not? So we think of what we live. We live in a solar system. In our solar system is kind of think of it as we're like one cul-de-sac in a neighborhood or in a city called the Milky Way. And in this cul-de-sac of the Milky Way, there's, our solar system exists and there's over a billion other solar systems in our Milky Way. And there's over a hundred billion other galaxies. So there's other hundred billion other neighborhoods or cities like the Milky Way. So we're kind of small when you think of how big is the Milky Way. If you were to visit your friend who lives on the other side of the Milky Way and you got into your spaceship that travels 670 million miles an hour and you rode in that spaceship for 100,000 years, when you get out, you're on the other side of the Milky Way, which is one neighborhood in this universe that we live in. We have uh, telescopes are reaching out and finding other uh, galaxies in, in one that's called the Whirlpool Galaxy, one of the furthest away that we can see now is this beautiful galaxy. And when you look at it, that is 23.6 million light years from here. <laughs> so when you think of this, the point really is, yeah, we're not all that significant right? Scientists actually have wondered that. They said, well, if this universe is so big, there must be life out there other than on planet earth. And the reasoning is this, it just seems a bit much for one planet in this. It seems like this is a little overkill to create a habitation for the people on earth. I love how the pastor and speaker, Louis Giglio, talked about this, and he said, talking about this question about, is this too much for humans? 
He said, what if the universe is not designed to simply be a habitation for you and for me, but rather the purpose of the universe is to show off the splendor and glory of the one who created it. What if the vastness of this huge universe was to say, hey, there's something about the creator that we're learning as we look around. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 40, this is a book that was written 2,500 years ago. As they looked up at the stars, this is a revelation given to Isaiah, and it's a word from God says this, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes up and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one thing in the universe is missing. 2,500 years ago, as the ancients looked up, they said, wow, this is declaring the splendor, the glory of this God that we serve. And the earth rejoiced. The next section here in Psalm 19, starting in verse 7, says this. And it feels like a twist. It feels like we turned directions. It says, the law of the the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there's great reward. So this next section, it seems like, okay, the first six verses, David was saying, hey, the heavens are declaring the glory of God, the splendor of God, and the earth rejoices as we see the vastness of this creator. And then the very next verse. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, rejoicing the soul. This is so different that some commentators actually said, well, maybe there were two different authors and they just kind of squished this song together. It's a, one, one artist started, wrote the first verse and another artist wrote the second verse and they didn't really kind of connect up their thoughts too much. But actually, the more we understand this, the more we see it is one thought. You see, if the first few verses where all of heavens declare the glory of God was the general revelation, things that we can see through nature, this next part is what we call special revelation. And it's the word of God. It's God speaking to our hearts, speaking through scripture. It's a way that he reveals himself to us. Now, David here is talking about the law of the Lord and saying, oh, it restores the soul. It gives wisdom. It, it brings joy to the heart, opens our eyes. It's right all together. Now, when we think of law, maybe we don't think that any of it can do that. But we want to understand that there's something more going on here. It's not really about a bunch of law to follow. That's not what David is praising. That's not what he's saying. The train of thought here is actually that it starts off that nature declares the glory of God, but when we understand a bit of why we were created. See, in Genesis chapter one, we're reminded that God created male and female in his image. Another way of thinking of it is that mankind is the glory of God. He said, I created you in in my image and therefore now go and multiply, scatter, scatter, And fill the earth and rule over it. 
The way you as humans exist on this earth declares the glory of your creator. As you live in God-honoring ways, as your life emulates, it's in the image of the one who created you, it actually is declaring the glory of God. So we see here that mankind actually declares the glory of God. Now, if we look around for a few minutes on cable news networks, you might say, well, that doesn't seem like a glorious God. Of course, this is mankind outside of our sinful state. We weren't created in a state of sin. Since the fall, we've fallen short. And the law through the Old Testament was intended to point us to, hey, this is what a life perfectly emulating your image looks like. But the law was also designed to show us that you will always fall short. You can't do it. It was to prepare our hearts and point towards a Messiah named Jesus, God in flesh, who was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus says, I, will, I do not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it in his very life. He fulfilled it, and then here's the great thing. He lives that life for you and for me and then gives it to us. In the New Testament, as we're told through the, through the writers and who say that we are a new creation, as Paul writes, that your old life is gone and you have a new life in Christ. The righteousness of God is now in you if you are in Christ. That allows us now to live out and to glorify God. People see it in us. And you think of, well, what is the law now? You know, Jesus summed it up. Someone asked Jesus, well, sum up the whole law. He said, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's a life that Jesus modeled. It's a life that Jesus gives to us. See, we are designed to live in a way that glorifies God. And when we live our lives outside of that, we always feel like something's missing. There's brokenness in our relationships. There's even brokenness in our relationship with the environment. I actually think Christians should be the greatest environmentalists out there because we are here to take care of the earth. That's what God gave us. We should be the greatest civil rights activists out there because it's in our nature to, to live equality, to honor equality, to pursue equality. That's who we are. We're living in a broken world. But when we understand that in the image of God, with Christ in us, living out through us, that declares the glory to others. We're very different that way. I appreciate how uh, the speaker, preacher, pastor, Tony Evans, was speaking about some issues about racial equality, and this was from a sermon four years ago. But in it, he gives a challenge to Christians and, and in, I was thinking about his sermon when I was thinking about this message because I think really what, where we get things wrong is when we think this big universe that I was talking about, when we think it spins around us. See, and that's one thing. If you study the universe, you'll realize our solar system is not the center of the, the, our galaxy. And the earth is not the center of our solar system, which means you are not the center of the universe. Just got news for you here today. But when we think that we're the center of the universe, that's really, you can see the root of a lot of sin. We can even try to do things right up to a point. But eventually, it's, hey, what's in this for me? 
But see, when we understand our new selves and our identity is as people in Christ, then we're okay with the universe spinning around our God. It's about his glory. And so as Tony Evans was speaking about this and he was speaking about race, racial relations and he actually said, you know, the problem is often we define ourselves as black Christians or white Christians when really we should be defining ourselves. The adjective of our life should be Christian. We are in Christ. You are a Christian who may be black. You are a Christian who may be white. You're a Christian who may be a Republican or a Christian who may be a Democrat. But let the Christian part of you, the in Christness of you, be the thing that affects your whiteness, your blackness, your politics. Don't let your politics change your Christian. See, when we get it backwards, and what, if you are a Republican Christian, the thing that is modifying you as a Christian is the fact that you're a Republican, and that's backwards. You tracking with me? Online tracking with me? Throwing things at me? Good. <laughs> so for us, our identity is in Christ, created in the image of God, bearing his image as we live out Christ in us. When we do that, we find as David wrote about the law, it restores the soul, it gives wisdom, it brings joy to the heart, it opens our eyes. It is all together right. When we're living in Christ, we find all of this. And mankind can declare the glory of God and the earth rejoices. David goes on in the Psalm 19. It says this, Verse 12 and following, it says, Who can discern man's errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of the great transgression. So David actually is coming off of this, how much he loves the law. And the very first thing he says after that, he says, but hey, there's sin in my life. I'm falling short. I can't live up to this. But you will forgive me. You will sustain me. You will point out my ways. You will be the one to guide me and fulfill me and direct me. We believe the Holy Spirit's the one who empowers us to live our new lives. So I appreciate that David talks about how much he loves the law and how life-giving it is and then says, yeah, but I keep falling short. It's a reminder that it's about Christ in us, not our ability to be perfect. That verse in Isaiah I shared with you earlier was Isaiah chapter 40 talking about God seeing every star in the sky. He knows them all. But he goes on in verse 27 of Isaiah 40 and says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, and say these things? My way is hidden from the Lord. And the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. In other words, he's saying, why do you? I'm the one who created all this. Why do you think I'm not paying attention? Why do you think I'm absent? Verse 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, the 23 million light year galaxies away, that one, he does not become tired or weary. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth will grow weary and tired and young men may stumble and fall. 
Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, sometimes when we're living in a universe that spins around us, and when we're saying, okay, I'm, even if it's trying to do the right thing, but it spins around you, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow all these rules. I'm going to make my way. I'm going to show you. We grow weary. We grow tired. We have those days we say, Lord, is this worth it? But a universe that spins around the creator keeps bringing us back, keeps reminding us. And he's whispering to us, don't you know? The one who set all those stars up there. That same one who actually came down to be one of you, to walk in your skin who gave up his life on the cross for you and for me, that one, he's been at work. And though it seems like he's absent, I want you to know, he doesn't grow tired or weary. You will. But if you hope in the Lord, if you wait on him, you'll gain new strength. You'll mount up on wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Because you're not doing it in the world that spins around you. You're doing it in the world that spins around the creator who cares about you and who walks with you. David ends Psalm 19 with this last verse. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think a life that's spinning around the creator is one where we can gladly say, let the words of my heart and the meditation of my, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. I'm gonna invite the worship team to start making their way back up. And, you know, during this kind of lockdown season, uh, we took advantage, as many people did. We said, hey, there's a few home projects we want to get done while we're home. <laughs> and uh, so thank God that Home Depot is an essential service. It was very good. So we got, you know, we have done some projects around the house and uh, spent some money on that. And in the midst of it, here towards the end, we have, um, I'm in a household now where four people are driving and uh, three of our four main cars have broken down in the last couple of weeks. And not just a little bit, not just like, oh, oops, I need to change my tires. It's like one needs a whole new transmission. And then uh, today, we have one car that runs totally fine. It's our newest car. And uh, had kind of this weird thing that happened and a little glitch and found out today that, yeah, you need a whole new engine. <laughs> And in it, I'm just thinking like, okay, cool, that's great, Lord, that was fun. (laughs) And you know, it's so easy, even on something like that, to immediately go to this world that's spinning over here. That says, Lord, uh, have you not been paying attention? You know, I've been faithful, I've been generous with our finances, with with your kingdom work, like, you know, hook me up, what's going on? (laughs) That's a world that spins here. And, and God was so great to let me get that news today in the middle of sermon prep so that kept bringing me back to like, Ryan, what world are you spinning in? 
and being reminded that I get to spin in the world where I have a creator God who set the stars in the sky. And he looks at our minivan and says, seriously, that's your issue today? (laughs) And by the end of the prep time, it was fun to just kind of be reflecting and to hear, what does it mean to hope in the Lord? What does it mean to have your strength renewed? What does it mean to say, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And just by the end of the time, to just keep repeating that until I could say, Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. For you, I don't know what this, what it might be. It might be, you know, I'm just tired of wearing a mask out in public. Tired of being at home. Tired of my kids being at home. (laughs) I want to go back to work. Some of you have lost jobs. There's a lot going on in our world right now. Can we be people who step back and say, well, God has not changed. The heavens declare the glory of God and rejoice. Through you and through me as followers of Jesus, we declare the glory of God and the earth rejoices. So brothers and sisters, let's end with this reminder that may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in the sight of our God our rock, and our redeemer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the reminder of your truth. I thank you for meeting us in the difficult times. I thank you for meeting us in the times of rejoicing. And God, I thank you that you revealed yourself to us and did not leave us alone. And sometimes it feels like we're spinning in a small planet in a gigantic universe And we're insignificant, yet you, Lord, came down to us. The most significant event in all of history because of your great love. So, Lord, we receive that now. And, Lord, we give you our praise of our rock and our redeemer. Receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen.